my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme difficult questions about the church. And today we ask, does the Bible have anything to say about the wealth of churches? Now there is an interesting one. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome David. Good afternoon, Gary, and hello again, listeners. It is wonderful to have you back again. You've been away on two weeks' holiday. You're looking refreshed. You're glowing. Um, how did you enjoy your holidays? Yeah, look, it was. Uh, it's really good to stop work, isn't it, and just to refresh and do things different. So I spent quite a bit of time outdoors doing some landscaping, went away with my son for a night, uh, my daughter next holidays. Lovely. And, um, yeah. So where did you go? Oh, we just went down to the the beach, Glenelg Beach. We stayed in an apartment, so Glenelg is, I guess, the Gold Coast. I was waiting Adelaide. for you to say that, in fact, that you had uh, you had gone camping in a tent in the cold and. I gave him the option of that, but uh, he chose uh, an apartment and um, spent time in a sauna and a pool and a spa and cycling and. Those sorts of things, which was really nice. Yeah, yeah. No, that always is. It's a fantastic thing to be able to spend time like that with, uh, with, with your family. Now, it's also fantastic to have with us today as well. We have uh, two people in the studio here today, apart from myself, uh, and that's Caden Pepper. Uh, welcome to you, Caden. Hello, Gary. Hello, David. Hello, everyone. It is, it's really wonderful to be able to have a third person sitting with us in the studio. Now, Caden is a, is a professional educator. Uh, he's a church elder at the Brighton Adventist Church at, at my church And he also runs a really fantastic program entitled Bible Spotlight Now, Caden, why not tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? I mean, are you a family man? Are you married? Yeah, I am married. I'm uh, married to my wife, Amy, and uh, we've been married for about five years. And we also have a couple of kids now. We've got a uh, a five-month-old named Robbie, and we've got a three-year-old um, named Hugo. And so our lives are very busy looking after those two kids. And in the meantime, we're trying to juggle work, church, and everything else in between. I tell you what, that is that is a, a fantastic achievement, actually. I know that, uh, I mean, I, I know you're two, two children, and... Uh, it's certain they can certainly be a handful at that age. I mean, certainly when you get to my age, you start to forget uh, how much of a handful preschoolers can actually be. But uh, uh, they certainly are. Uh, yeah, that's right. Like, look, when you have one. You, you, you get used to it. But once the second comes along, you realize your life will never be the same and all your spare time is completely gone. Well, you wait until number three comes along, my friend. <laughs> number three. I don't number, know about that one. And what you do is you change the sex for the third one and they'll prod our numbers one and two. In fact, we, we had two girls and then a boy and, uh, we, to this day, we say that our, our son actually had three mothers. We were totally convinced that, uh, that that's the way it worked. But look, Caden, at Brighton Church, you run a thing called Bible Spotlight. Now, what is Bible Spotlight? 
Bible Spotlight is exactly what it says it is. We, we like to shine light on God's words and just like to tell people, teach people Bible truths straight from God's words. And uh, we, we started this program because we found that uh, lots of people are searching in this world. Lots of people from outside our church, within our church, everywhere, they're searching for answers to difficult questions in life. So Bible Spotlight is what it says it is, and uh, we go through different subjects each evening and uh, really unpack what the Bible teaches on those subjects so we can have a clear understanding of what God says. Yeah, yeah. No, look, Caden, I really appreciate what it is that you've actually been doing because I've actually attended a number of these uh, these sessions and it's been fantastic to be able to sit in the back seat and watch a professional educator actually sharing because you come from an education background. You're a teacher. Uh, you are now in got some administration that you're, uh, you're involved in. Uh, but, you know, having that education background is something that to me is incredibly powerful because you're able to impart things in in a way that uh, sometimes uh, those of us who come from a preaching background uh, may not be actually able to uh, able to do. But you know, the thing that I really appreciate about uh, about your particular program is the way that you have gained you have gained uh, you have gained from the people the questions that they are really asking about the Christian life. Here and now, and you deal with incredibly practical questions. Can you just tell us what sort of question? I mean, you've already done one series. Now that was a series of yep. eight meetings, and this coming Monday night, you're actually starting a second series, and this is going to be every Monday night for eight uh, for eight weeks during the the school term. So they're, they're short, they're concise, um, and for people here in Adelaide, I'm just really conscious that this is a is a really wonderful opportunity. But look, tell us, what subjects are you actually going to be dealing with over the uh, maybe three or four in the uh, over the next few weeks? Yeah, no worries. So this Monday night at 6.30, we tackle the subject, How to Handle Temptations. And this will be a very interesting study um, for a lot of people who are struggling out there in this area. After that, we tackle questions such as, are the Ten Commandments still necessary? Is the Sabbath still necessary? Um, then we look at um, questions like, why are there so many churches? We live in a world where there are thousands of churches and denominations. Yeah. And we will look at exactly why is that is the case and uh, is that God's uh, original plan. Um, after that, we'll look into um, more of the future lens, looking into a bit of prophecy, mm-hmm. um, looking at uh, Revelation. Before the last session is going to be a practical session, teaching people how to give a Bible study. Because we don't just want to, to to tell people these things from the Bible. We want that people to actually practice uh, this sort of thing, Christianity, revealing God's Word for themselves. So that last session there is going to give practical tips about how each and every one of us can give a Bible study study and it is not as hard as you think it is. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I really appreciate uh, the way in which you're presenting uh, each uh, each session. I know that uh, in sitting there with you, uh, you you give a, a presentation, uh, but then at the end of the presentation, uh, you give uh, you have a small panel of two or three people that people can throw their questions at. And I love the way that you actually throw the questions because you've actually got your a mobile phone yep, uh, yep. number up there. And during the program, if a question bumps into a person's mind, they actually can text your phone directly, yes. and then they they 
you don't even know who the question has actually come from. Yeah, they're all anonymous. I they're don't all mention anyone's name. Totally anonymous. And we then have a small panel there, and you throw those questions at the panel. I love the way that actually uh, takes place. I think that is absolutely fantastic. And uh, to me, this this is a really exciting program. Now, uh, Caden, it commences what next? Monday night, you're saying? Yeah, that's right. Um, so next Monday night, we start with our um, first program. And uh, as I said, it's going to be on um, the temptations, how to handle temptations. Um, so it should be a very good one. So that starts Monday that, can, night can, can at 6.30. Can I just 6:30. comment on that one, you know, Caden? I, I really appreciate that one because a lot of people don't actually realise that these these subjects have actually arisen because of questions that you have been asked. In other words, you actually surveyed people. That's right. And uh, as a result of surveying people, you said, hey, what what questions would you like us to deal with? And these were some of the questions that actually came up. And this question of how to handle temptations, do you want to just, can you give us just a, a little excerpt yeah, of, uh, of what, yeah, no worries. what's actually going to be involved? Yeah, so with this topic, we look at questions such as how can we make our belief in God stronger? Building that foundation is going to really help us in this area. We look at where these temptations actually come from in the first place. Who or what sends us these messages? And we also look at what is the longing in our hearts when we know Jesus. Once we have that faith and relationship with him, what is our heart's desire? And these are going to be really the key to unlocking this subject of how to handle temptations. Uh, look, the, look, look, to me, this is one that I, I hope that I'm actually able to get along. I've got an incredibly busy week next week, but uh, can I say this is one that I'm just so conscious is so relevant to the age in which we're living. Now, now, Caden, look, do, people don't need to book, do they? No, no, you just rock up at Brighton SGA Church. I'll give you the address, 10 Amelia Street, Hove. You can also look up on Google, Brighton SGA Church, and Google Maps will take you right there. So that's 10 Amelia Street. Street, the Hove. Yep, yep. And that's over near Brighton, on the, just on the sea seaboard of, uh, yeah, of Adelaide. Just yep. off Brighton Road. Yep. That's this Monday, May the 3rd at 6.30. Okay, so May the 3rd, uh, this coming Monday, commencing at 6.30 at the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, look, if people wanted a bit more information or wanted to chat to you personally, do you mind sharing your phone number? Absolutely. Okay, what, so what's your phone number? So if you have any questions about Bible Spotlights or you're interested in coming, please uh, text me or call me. My mobile number is 0435734233 and uh, be more than happy to help you out. This program is specifically designed for those of you who might uh, be interested in coming to church um, but haven't as yet. And this is a program where you can simply duck in through the door, sit down and listen to the presentation and uh, you can just walk out um, uh, with a whole new knowledge of God's Word and maybe make some friends along the way. You know, Caden, it is so good to be able to be a part of a church where the 
church members um, are actually able to do to lead in ministry. I, I, I'm my name is there as a, as church pastor, but you know, so much of what is occurring at Brighton Church, I'm so conscious, is actually a heart and core of what people like yourself and and others are actually involved uh, involved in. I, I really do appreciate that. So, look, give us your phone number again, would you? Just uh, just very quickly there. Yeah, it's zero four three five seven. This is the problem when you have your mobile phone number on your phone and you only ever push a person's name. Uh, That's (laughs) That's true. That's good. It's a real problem. I can't even remember my wife's phone number. It's a terrible one. Yeah, I won't try that one either, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, look, that's, um, that's, Caden, really appreciate what you've actually shared here, folks. Look, if you'd like to come along, uh, I can, I can recommend this to you. Caden is an excellent presenter. Uh, I believe you'll greatly love uh, what Caden is actually, actually sharing. Uh, next Monday, night, 6.30 at the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Well, look, let's come just very quickly now to our World Watch segment. And uh, I got... I read something today that I sort of thought, oh, you have to be, this has to be joking, but it's not actually. And I, uh, but I thought I'd share it uh, with you. Uh, the article's entitled, In California, Hundreds of Men Are Transferring to Female Prisons. Now, well, this article jumped out at me, and, and this is what it said. Uh, last fall, a California governor, Gavin Newsom, signed the Transgender Respect, Agency and Dignity Act, a bill which, amongst other things, would allow incarcerated transgender and intersex people to be housed and searched in a manner consistent with their gender identity. Since this law went into effect back in January, a new case of rapid onset gender dysphoria has occurred. I love that that particular title. Since that time, since January, over 200 prisoners have requested to be transferred from men's prisons uh, to those detaining women. As of April 6th, not a single request has been denied. Imagine attempting attempting to argue uh, for this law 20 years ago. Imagine trying to convince anyone that biological males, particularly males who already have demonstrated a willingness to break the law, should be incarcerated with women, even if abuse of all sorts wasn't a real problem for America's prison population. This really does look like a bad idea. This looks like a silly idea. In reality, of course, perceptions of or claims to gender identity do not change chromosomes, and nor do they eliminate male desire or weaken male physical strength when compared to women. To ignore these realities of the physical world is not only to... Par- to imperil our ladies who will be trapped with biological males against their will. This isn't sound or compassionate policy. This will be for many women the definition of cruel and unf- and unusual punishment. You know, Kate and David, uh, David, what do you think of this? I mean, this is this is absolute nonsense, isn't it? It is. Look, it really is, Gary, and, and you wonder where it's going to head next, don't you? I, I mean, let's face it, uh, in our country, in Australia, I believe it's one lady a week, one lady dies from domestic violence. It's huge, yeah. So let's let's extrapolate this a little bit further. So here in California, you could have men that have murdered, raped, 
done all sorts of horrible things. 200 of them now. To, to women. Yeah. And they're allowed to be in a female prison. Imagine the trauma if you were a lady and you had experienced terrible things at the hands of men to have male prisoners in the same prison. Where is our world actually going? You know, that's, that's all I can ask on this one. I mean, to me, this doesn't involve very much commentary because I think it speaks for itself. Mm. But where is our world actually going right now when our legislators are prepared to adopt uh, legislation like this? What's your thinking, Caden? Yeah, well, it's mind-boggling that uh, so this thing can take place in the world that we live in, but you see more and more of it um, as time goes on. And in, Australia's not immune from it. We see this sort of thing happen here in Australia too. And uh, we, we just need to think, where's common sense? What is going on? And uh, where is this world headed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are really good questions. They are really good questions. And David? Yeah, we're actually comp- complicating society as we move forward, we which are. is not really moving forward. We're moving backwards. Simply mm. because what we've done is moved away from the, the biblical model that has been given to us by God. We move away from that model and suddenly everything becomes so incredibly complex in our, in our world. You leave the blueprint, the plans, you end up in trouble. Indeed, indeed. Let's come to, uh, to some music. This is uh, Gavin Chatelier uh, as Water uh, to the Thirsty. Beautiful song. As beauty to the eyes As strength that follows weakness As truth instead of lies As sometime and springtime And summertime to be So is my Lord, my living Lord So is my Lord to me of clamor like peace that follows pain like meeting after parting like sunshine after rain like moonlight and starlight and sunlight on mercy so is my Lord my living Lord so is my Lord to me
And that was Gavin Chatillier uh, as water uh, to the thirsty. Now, folks, we do have for you today a, a wonderful little little book. Uh, once again, our, our giveaway. Our giveaway today is entitled "The Power of Hope." Uh, now, this is uh, this looking uh, at uh, depression, anxiety, and guilt and stress. How do I deal with it? The power of hope. Most people recognise that exercise and a balanced diet will, in fact, help with well-being and improve uh, healthful outcomes. But what about other parts of the body? Uh, you know, we're going to be, we're talking about that in this book, The Power of Hope. Uh, look, if, if you would like, uh, your own copy of The Power of Hope, this is just a, uh, just a little book. Uh, just write The Power of Hope with your name, your address, your telephone number, and just text us here at the studio to 04888 80811. Also, if you'd like more information about, uh, Caden's, uh, Caden's program that he's, uh, he's presenting, uh, commencing next, uh, next Monday night, Please feel free also to uh, to text us if you've missed his uh, telephone number. Uh, please feel free that uh, spot that uh, program's entitled Bible Spotlight. And uh, if you'd like more information, o four triple eight eight o eight eleven, and we'll respond uh, to you and give you Caden's uh, uh, telephone number uh, if you uh, if you would like uh, more information. Then you can text him or you can ring him and get uh, get the information that uh, that you might uh, might require. So that number again is 04888 808 11. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. And we've also got with us Caden Pepper and uh, and Caden uh, is a professional educator and he presents Bible Spotlight uh, at the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church and it's the new series is commencing next Monday night and this is a series that you would really love. Uh, you'll be disappointed if you do actually miss it. So if you're in Adelaide and you'd like to uh, be part of that, uh, please, um, the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church at 6.30 on Monday nights, the place to be. And if you want information, 488 uh, our, our subject uh, this week, we're talking about difficult questions about the church. And today we ask, does the Bible have anything to say about the wealth of churches? Do you know, this is a subject that the media uh, does like to pick up on uh, from time to time. Uh, churches are increasingly viewed as being incredibly wealthy. I, uh, I picked up one article that came from the Sydney Morning Herald a, a year or two back, and uh, it was simply entitled, Churches Massive Wealth Revealed. And it was referring to a particular church in Australia, and they said this, the church was worth billions of dollars, uh, making it one of the country's biggest non-government property owners, and massively wealthier than it has been claimed uh, in evidence to uh, inquiries that were then going on. Going on. Um, one media investigation uh, that allowed um, actually dug into uh, the wealth of churches. This was measured in the literally billions of dollars. Of course, most of it is tied up in in property. Um, in the case of the Catholic Church, this put the Catholic Church among the largest non-government property owners by value in New South Wales and Australia. They actually rivaled, according to this article, Westpac's network of shopping centres and other assets. It dwarfs all other 
large property owners. Now, of course, the Catholic Church isn't the only one uh, to own a huge amount of profit, uh, property. There's a huge amount of wealth uh, tied up with many uh, traditional and even contemporary uh, churches. Now, now, David, this is something that certainly does concern a lot of people uh, because within the Bible, We've got, yesterday we looked at the whole subject of, of wealth. Uh, we talked about, um, not building up a wealth here on earth. And yet, the representatives of Jesus are actually often criticized because they have amassed significant wealth. Now, this is something that many people, and you're the, you're the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. I mean, here in South Australia, we've, uh, we've got, you know, three, three schools, and of course they're based on properties. We've got mm. an administrative office. We own churches. So even within our own administrative district, there is actually a fair amount of money that is actually tied up. Now, David, this is something that I suppose a lot of people would love to sort of hear somebody like yourself actually actually speak on. So, look, please help us out on this particular one. Does the Bible have anything to say about the wealth of churches? Look, it absolutely does, Gary. Um, and I think there are a couple of things to take note of here. Um, I think there are definitely excesses, absolutely 100% in Christian churches. And when we see excess in the church, um, it really um, casts a dis- an aspersion against God. Yeah. Um, but there is also, I mean, uh, churches could be uh, asset rich, uh, you know, schools, you need property for schools, churches, you need land, uh, but they could be cash poor. Mm. Um, God has told us to go into all the world and, and share a message. Now, uh, if you have uh, the message of healing and you, you have hospitals or clinics, you need infrastructure and land for that so you may be asset rich. Um, uh, as I say, there are so many ways you can look at it. So um, churches that build up wealth for themselves – uh, are not fulfilling what God has called them to. And I'm going to touch on that in a minute. Okay, t- t- take us through this. Yeah. So what I want to look at, Gary, um, Jesus um, spoke quite a lot about money. In fact, some have suggested that 15% of his preaching, his recorded preaching, had to do with money. Wow. Now, that might surprise us. And of about 39 parables, depending on, on what you call some of the parables, 11 of them were economic in nature. Some also suggest that Jesus spoke more about economics and money than about any other topic. They have suggested that 2,300 verses in the Bible relate to questions around economic issues. He actually told some significant parables, didn't he, about, about economics and money? He did, and we'll look at maybe one of those. Uh, but... Here is this emphasis on money and economic issues, and I guess one of the reasons we might ask or questions we might ask ourselves is why. Mm. And I believe it really comes down to when we talk about money, it becomes an issue of the heart. Okay. An issue of the heart. Open that, open that up a bit. Okay. So Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and this would have already been looked at this week, but I'm going to touch on it. Matthew six nineteen to 21 and, um, Caden, I'm wondering whether you can read that for us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Yeah, no worries. Matthew chapter 6, 
verse 19 to 21, says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So thanks, Caden. So money is a heart issue, isn't it? I mean, mm. where our where our heart is, where our treasure is. If we put our treasure into this earth, that's where our heart. That's where we'll be drawn towards. If we put our energies and efforts um, into heaven, that's where our heart will be. And money is often the driver of the heart. Mm-hmm. And Jesus knew that. And that's why I guess we have Christian uh, principles that, that are from the Scripture, such as tithing and giving and offerings, etc., yeah, yeah. to remind us that we're not in control or in charge. Yeah, yeah. One of the key things that uh, we learn in Scripture is that one of the key premises is that, um, that God owns everything. Okay. Everything belongs to him. And Psalm 50 verse 10 says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Haggai 2.8, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So as human beings, we don't own anything. We work, but God is the one that gives us the ability to work. But do you think that this actually applies to you know the contemporary Christian Christian people? Because I'm conscious that we actually live in such a consumeristic world where life is actually revolves around consumerism. You know, I mean, me being able to get enough not just for today but for tomorrow and set myself up for retirement as well. Now, you know, I mean, it, it, it revolves around me, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. Um, uh, I really have questions in this area. A lot of people struggle for money and struggle to make meets end to find where the next dollar is coming from. On the other side, a lot of people have uh, an abundance of wealth. And uh, it, from my from my observations, it seems the more people get, the more they want. And so the richer are getting richer by the second. And you just look at last year, for example, during the coronavirus, the world's richest people actually got wealthier and wealthier. And the gap between the poorest and uh, the wealthiest, wealthiest got larger and larger. This is a, a very troublesome In other words, topic. this, this rich-poor divide is something that's incredibly significant in our world, particularly in the, uh, the, the, the first world, like where, where we actually live. I mean, that rich-poor divide is getting huge. It's getting bigger, as you correctly point out. But then has that impacted the church? Because that is the really key significant question. It has impacted the church. But this rich-poor divide, Gary and Caden, also existed back in the biblical days. I mean, if you look at the, the Roman Empire in Rome itself, um, you were, your status as a Roman citizen was on, or a senator, whatever you like, was based on how many thousand slaves you had. So, um, <laughs> there were more slaves in Rome than there were citizens. Yeah, that's so, true. Uh, you know, we know in Judea, they were under Roman occupation. They were poor. They were heavily taxed. So this rich-poor divide has always existed. However, we are now living in, as you touched on before, a consumeristic me culture. Mm-hmm. And this is where churches have a space to speak into if they are not, uh, if they are not focusing on wealth. Okay, okay. Okay, so let's let's go for it. The purpose of the church, why Jesus established the church, was to win the lost. 
Mm-hmm. That's why I established the church. If we as Christians are seeking to build up our own kingdom through churches and denominations on this earth, we've failed. We should be seeking to build up God's kingdom. Now, the church uh, in the New Testament comes from a Greek word, ecclesia, which means the called out ones. The church is not a building, it's a group of people. So the principles that scripture talks to about money for individuals don't lay up on, don't lay up treasure on earth, but lay it up in heaven also apply to the church. Okay, now that's a that's a powerful and can I say oh, probably a little bit of a controversial statement because hey uh, even in down here in South Australia and we're just a, a little administrative district in the middle of uh, you know basically the next stop is Antarctica from uh, from us as many Australians would actually point out um, and yet even down here we do have significant assets we do. We do. And, and and let's flip the coin a little bit. You read the book of Haggai, one of the shortest books in the Old Testament, and here you have these uh, returning people from Babylon, God's people, have come back to Jerusalem. They've built fine houses with ivory and all sorts of things, but they've neglected the temple of God. Okay. Uh, in Jesus' day, the temple was a significant building. Mm. Uh, so what Solomon built was a significant building. So, So what did Haggai say? Haggai told the people to stop trying to fill their pockets uh, with wealth that would just drop through they, they were, and, and growing their crops that would not make them uh, full. In other words, they were investing in the wrong things. They should have been investing in the temple or the Lord's work. So our buildings need to be representative, but our buildings and our property should not be ostentatious. They should not be self-serving. They should not be self-seeking. They should exist. The church exists for those who don't worship with us yet. In other words, community-focused. Okay, okay. Okay, look, you're a young bloke. I mean, we're both, you know, fairly fairly old blokes. I mean, does this resonate with you at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can totally see the benefits and the reasons why these church um, institutions and ministries are there out there. And I can think of so many lives that have been touched through not just our churches, our schools, um, and our hospitals, and uh, our uh, humanitarian work that, that the church does um, in, in the world. It is a very important area and cannot run without the generosity of people. Actually, I think you raise a really important point there, you know. Uh, you know, if in fact it's the purpose of those buildings, if in fact we turn and we simply have uh, buildings that are going to, uh, to look glorious and have no other purpose, then probably there has been a major, a major problem there. Uh, but if in fact, I mean, you, you teach at a, at a, a, Private New Prescott Southern, uh, a that's our, our school on the southern side of town. How many young people are actually there? So we have eight hundred and fifty students um, currently. Okay, and how do they all come from you know Seventh Day Adventist homes? Oh or? no, not at all. A lot of people might think that, but uh, we have a very small group of Adventists. We probably only have one or two percent of that total group Adventists. Would they um, all be Christian? About. Christian and 95% unchurched families. Wow. Now, isn't that, that is the the potential for ministry, even where you are working, is just so powerful. That's so so powerful. David. So Christian churches and their organizations, healthcare, schools, and and development agencies uh, have an opportunity to speak to a consumeristic society. We need to remember that the foundational premise for God is he is a God who gives. 
Yeah. He gave his only yeah. son. He poured out all of the resources of the universe to this rebellious planet called Earth in Jesus' coming. And Christians have actually been called to actually give and be generous. But sometimes it's not just financially. You know, I'm so conscious that sometimes education is the best answer to poverty. As so many times I'm conscious that a hospital is the best answer to sickness. And that is 100% accurate. And if you look at the number of charities in Australia, there are so many of them that are Christian charities that are there to alleviate poverty and to educate and to train so people can, uh, I guess, support themselves long term. So. Christian churches are doing an incredible job, no question. Yeah. But there are those churches that are seeking to build their own empires and, and uh, rather than distributing the wealth that they have with those who are you in You know, Dave, one of the things that's been thrown at me a number of times, and people have said this particularly, is they'll point particularly to the television evangelists. And they'll say, ah, oh, you know, these television evangelists out there, you know, these people, in fact, we mentioned a couple of them, them yesterday that have actually grown incredibly wealthy through their evangelistic, uh, through their, uh, through their ministries. But that seems to be the end point of their ministry. It does. And where is the focus? Is it on them or is it on Christ? Jesus in Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 to 21 shared a parable about a rich fool. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, the church is made up of individuals, so what Jesus says to an individual is also applicable to a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here is this uh, rich man, He's and Jesus says in verse 15 of Luke 12, he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, this applies to churches as well. Uh, here is a man. He's had uh, crops that have yielded heaps and uh, plentiful crops. He says to himself, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crop? Uh, so he said to himself, I will do this. I will pull down my, ba- my barns and build greater ones, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus then says, You know, this fool's life will be required of him that night. And he says, uh, so, he, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Mm-hmm. Now, how can we be rich towards God, do you think? Gentlemen? That's actually a very powerful and, and concise question. Um, how can we be rich towards God? You know, to me, as I look at that, I, I see there is something about spirituality. Uh, you know, to be rich towards God to me uh, means that my uh, my my emphasis is not on the um, the the things that I can get and put into my life in a physical capacity, but I'm more concerned about others and also my relationship to the Most High God. I think as you grow deeper and deeper in your Christianity, your definition of riches actually changes. You go from riches to the dictionary definition or the material world that we live in, but as you come closer and closer to God, your definition of riches actually changes and the things that you want now and strive for are totally different than what they were before. I like verse uh, 34 of Luke chapter 12 where it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. And it just really shows if your if your heart is truly with God, you will not have the mindset of building up treasure for yourself, looking to secure yourself. You actually look more of an 
outreach towards others and uh, towards helping and being a minister to other people. That's 100% correct. And we can be generous to God. Jesus said, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in, sorry, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was mm. sick, you helped me. When mm. I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. We can be generous to God when we give. And of course, this all does require a cost. It costs me something. If I feed someone, if I give them food, that actually costs me or somebody something. If I don't actually have anything to give, I actually can't give. That's right. Uh, Sorry, Gary, you said if you don't have anything to give, you can't give. Is that what you said? Um, sorry, did I say it the wrong way around? Yeah, uh, but just think of that parable with the woman that G- Jesus noticed there in the temple. And she comes in and she she was observed as being very poor with very little. And, and just very quietly she goes in and she drops two little coins, the lowest amount of money. And uh, the Bible says that was everything she had. What faith is that? So she gave out of her poverty. The others that gave, the religious leaders gave out of their excess. In other words, she really made the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. And and that was the woman who actually got, um, got commended by Christ for what it was that she did. But look, let's, let's come to some, uh, some music. Uh, really love, um, this, uh, this particular song. Uh, this is Michael W. Smith, uh, ancient, ancient words. Uh, please enjoy.
And that was Michael W. Smith, ancient words, uh, powerful words in uh, in that particular song. I uh, love it. Uh, our free gift for you today is the book Power of Hope. If you would like the book Power of Hope, uh, then please uh, just text us here uh, at the studio. It's 0488 You'll love uh, this particular book. If you uh, are feeling depressed, if you're feeling discouraged, uh, then the Power of Hope is something that will pick you up. Just send the power of hope uh, together with uh, your name, your address and your telephone number uh, to our studio mobile here. It's 0488 or if you'd like more details on that Bible Spotlight program that's going to be commencing over at the uh, at the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church, 6.30 next Monday night. I'm being taught by, uh, by Caden, who's with us in the studio today, uh, then... Please also text us and we can uh, provide that information for you. That number again is 0488 And You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, uh, President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. We've also got with us Caden Pepper. Caden uh, works in uh, in education at Prescott uh, Primary Southern. This week we're taking as our theme difficult questions about the church. And today we ask, does the Bible... Bible have anything to say about the wealth of churches. David, please bring it all together for us. We're starting to run out of time. Okay, Gary, I want to suggest to you that uh, there are three key reasons and, and areas that are brought out where people are to give uh, in, in the New Testament. Churches are to give. The first one we find, and probably by far the greatest of these areas of giving, is giving within the church. Uh, many church members were poor, and if you look at Acts chapter 2 from verse 40 to 47, it says there that they had everything in common and they sold their uh, sold their possessions and delivered the the money and what they got for them at at the feet of the apostles so there was giving within the church giving within the church for the needy saints okay not for making them wealthy but the needy saints and this is by far the largest reason i believe that that in in the new testament people the churches are told to give or members yeah, of churches yeah, are told yeah, to give yeah. to help other saints Another key reason is that um, churches are to give to support those who minister for the gospel. And uh, 1 Corinthians 9.14 says, So also the Lord directed, Paul says, those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Okay. So in other words, we go beyond ourselves. First, we be- go beyond ourselves as churches to support those within our church, the needy within yep, our churches. Yep. Then we go beyond ourselves to give to those who minister. Okay. To spread the gospel mission. And lastly, but also in. But then again, we don't want to make them so wealthy, uh, that uh, they are, uh, they are flying in private jets. And I'll take you straight to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 to respond. I agree with you 100%. And, and, um, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. And the apostle Paul speaks here, chapter 8, the whole chapter on giving, right through to mm. chapter 9 verse 15. But he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So when you see cardinals and popes and mega preachers, uh, you know, dressed to the nines and, and like kings... 
Living like king. This is the sort of thing that Martin Luther riled against when he saw the ostentatious and the extravagance of Rome. And that was actually one of the things that actually promoted the Protestant Reformation. Absolutely, absolutely. So the third reason for churches to give, or their existence, if you like, is um, to give beyond the confines of their own churches. And the Philippian church was commended... Um, the Macedonian churches were commended for their giving to other churches. Okay. And their giving to support missionary work beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. So this is the answer to the materialistic consumer culture. The Christian church has it. Mm-hmm. But Satan ensnares and he entraps when we focus on building our own kingdoms of wealth instead of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, Gary, you want to take us to the last book of Scripture, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I'm just really interested in this uh, this particular passage because uh, I'm so conscious that uh, churches t- have done uh, so much good. They've done it in education. They've done it in uh, community uh, out, outreach, community work. They've done it in hospitals. Uh, they do it by leading worship. To me, uh, as I see the work of so many thousands of volunteers, I just stand in absolute awe. And yet, by the same token, I've actually been approached by numerous people who've said to me, hey, Pastor, but what about these? And they often use the example of the the television evangelist um, and uh, uh, and even looking at uh, contemporary churches and say, hey, you know, look at the wealth that is actually within them. You know, one of the passages I often direct them to is actually found in Revelation chapter 3. And of course, in Revelation chapter 3, what you get is the last of a message to what is seven churches. Revelation uh, 2 and 3 actually is messages to seven churches that actually existed in, uh, in Christ's, uh, in, in in uh, John's day and uh, the last of those seven churches is a message to the Laodiceans and to me this is the thing that really stands out to me to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write I know your works uh, speaking to the church which of course is a body of people you're neither cold nor hot I wish that you were cold or hot so then because you're lukewarm and neither cold or not, or cold or hot I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Now, these are fairly, you know, these are fairly powerful words. Caden, what do they actually say to you? Well, I'm seeing two things from this. It can mean money wealth um, in the sense that uh, we can uh, have too much wealth and lose sight of uh, what's best for us in this life, but also see this uh, looking spiritually as well, um, being spiritually poor um, and not recognizing your actual own condition of your heart. And, and certainly what you've actually said there is actually so correct. It is possible to view yourself as wealthy both physically or spiritually. And what the message here is, is that, hey, God is actually condemning this final church, this Laodicean church, because if it's, it says about itself, I am rich, I have become wealthy. David. And I'm in need of nothing. I'm in need of nothing. This was a real church in, in Turkey, a Christian church, and it was a rich town, a rich city it was. Um, they were known for many things. And 
Yet often when people become or churches become uh, physically wealthy, materially wealthy, they become spiritually poor and destitute. And that's what's happened. Here is a church that is riches. It's a mega church, if you like, of today. It has the tally evangelists and the planes and everything. They think that they are great spiritually, rich spiritually. They know that they are rich physically. In fact, you know, this this um, particular city of Laodicea, at one particular point, they were actually destroyed by an earthquake. That's right. And Rome, actually, the Roman government said, look, we will come and we'll give you support to rebuild. Uh, and, uh, to rebuild. What did they say? They denied that. They were proud and they said, we can do it on our own. We don't need your help. That's can- right. So this is a, a picture of the church today often, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and yet God is telling them, you think, you know that you're, physically rich, you think you're spiritually rich, but you are naked and you can't see it. You're spiritually blind and destitute. So when riches and wealth become the focus for churches and we become a financial institution in and of ourselves, we are blind, destitute and naked. In other words, what we're talking about here is an incredible balance. You know, the thing I'm so conscious of is that churches, uh, do they need uh, to have money for ministry, money for education, money for hospitals and schools? Do they need that? Yes, they do. And I believe that they've done a powerful and a wonderful job as a result. But I'm also conscious that there is a point when one can actually come to rely on these things rather than relying on the God of heaven. And I believe what we've actually got here in the seventh church of, uh, of Revelation uh, chapter three is a church that's come to rely on its own wealth. Own resources. Its own self. resources. It's, it's come to deny that which, uh, that which is their greatest need. Come to deny the power of God. And this is very, a very dangerous thing when churches is this because a church is designed to have Jesus at its head. But when you're looking to these other things, you're actually locking Jesus out and not allowing Jesus to come in with his nature. And that's why we get the promise here in verse 20 where it says that Jesus is standing on the outside the door of the church or our hearts knocking, wanting to come back in because people are getting sidetracked with all these materialistic things rather than their focus on Jesus. Mm, mm. They've excluded Jesus. Yes. So they become just another financial institution. Yeah, yeah. And, And isn't this the greatest challenge, not just to churches but in our personal lives? It is very devastating when this happens. So we need to remember that God is a giving God. We need to remember that though Jesus was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Yeah. Yeah, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for being the almighty God. Lord, thank you for being the all-powerful God. Lord, thank you for being the one who has given us all things. Lord, I just pray that you would teach us how to be generous people, uh, how we might uh, be able to to minister uh, to those that we come in contact with. Lord, may we not make uh, money and wealth the almighty God that has become in our consumeristic culture. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining uh, Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher and Caden Caden Pepper on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray spent the entire time looking at the question, doesn't Christianity promise prosperity? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled.
or afraid. May our God uh, richly bless you.